Hey everybody, welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show for you planned out today. Very excited, we got Chris and Julia and Julie here. We're gonna be going through your questions, which I'm very, very excited about. Now, uh, while I am super excited, y'all should be super excited, you should like the show, you should subscribe to the channel, you should hit the notification bell, that way you get your email anytime that we go live, which is of course, every day. Now, if you have any thoughts or questions or anything for the coaches themselves, by all means, put them up in the comment section and we will engage them directly. Um, we have some really good questions lined up from the interwebs. Any thoughts or anything before we dive in? Uh, I just hope the questions are as good as this uh, Vulcan Azul Couture double fermentation that I'm drinking right now, which is freaking amazing. <laughs> They are really good questions, and I have them lined up sequentially so that we can uh, engage them kind of in line, because they're all similar, but a little bit different. So if you guys are good, we can jump into the first one. Let's give her. Here we go. Hey, what's going on, everyone? My name is Jesse. My question for the coaches is in regards to urgency. So for the people that have a desire to change the may have a goal in place, they may not. Uh, they just know that they want change. What are some of the methods that you use to create urgency to help them light that fire, uh, to get them to start, to get them to stay consistent, to keep showing up? Curious to know, thanks. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put the guy with the best lighting in here. You're going on the fire. Here you go, Chris. You're up. It's looking very Hollywood. I like it. <laughs> right? Uh, I actually really like that question. I like that term urgency. Something I tell folks often is, is time is our most, our most precious commodity. It's the one thing we can never get back. And so uh, having that constant sense of urgency is great. Um, kind of to dive into his question, though, I think... I think hitting rock bottom creates a sense of urgency, uh, but most people don't hit rock bottom. They, they kind of navigate through life in a, maybe a semblance of uncomfortableness, but it's never, never painful enough to actually create that catalyst for change. And so I think it's important for people to recognize that um, because this is, it's not a dress rehearsal. You know, this is the one life you got. So if you can acknowledge that things aren't going the way you want, um, yeah, take note of that. And, and then to his other question, how do you create that discipline? I usually encourage people to start off small. Um, when, when folks come to me and they're like, Chris, I, I, I am not disciplined. How do I get disciplined? I immediately respond with, well, do you brush your teeth every day? Well, yeah. Okay. Then you are disciplined. This, the task has been reduced small enough that you have implemented it into your life, into your routine, that it's now a habit. And so if it's going to the gym or eating right or uh, spending quality time with your loved ones, I think, I think the key to create that discipline initially, so you're not relying on willpower and motivation is to start off small enough where the task is, is so bite-sized that it's, it's almost negligible at first. And then as you establish that habit and that routine, you can, you can build on it and then, and then expound on it. That's my opinion. Make it, make it like innocuous. Yeah. Uh, Julia, how about yourself? What do you think? Uh, that was really great. Um, and I, I agree when it comes to, um, well, just starting with a habit, making it a habit because it's, we're not, nobody's motivated. It's just 
we just take action and then you get motivated from taking the action. So, and then that could like continues in the cycle. And when we fall off track or when we're starting, it's just about making that first step and making that first step, not so intimidating and not so huge that it scares you to start. And, you know, you end up being, um, putting it off for too long. So I tell any of my clients, uh, or, you know, whenever I get asked questions like this, um, like, what can we start with? Like, what, what is our starting point? You know, um, you don't have to go out for a run or anything like that, but, or, or get your, a full workout in just yet, but how about we just get to the gym or how about we just get out for a walk and then how can you start to pick up the pace <laughs> from there, right? So um, it's just making the habit, taking action and uh, none of us, just knowing that you're not alone, like none of us are motivated, even the, even top athletes, nobody's wakes up motivated every single day. Uh, we just create create this by taking action and continuing in that. And if you're really having a hard time getting started, uh, I would start with even just journaling and thinking about your why, thinking about, you know, um, a deeper purpose beyond a six pack, <laughs> beyond uh, it, it, beyond just looks, it's gonna come down to more than that, right? It's gonna be being there for your kids, um, living a long life, um, you know, there's, there's way, there's way, way more to it than, than just, uh, than just, uh, the activity itself and the looks. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Julie, what do you think? Yeah, I would say if you want to create a sense of urgency for myself, for my athletes, uh, being a cycling coach, well, put something on the calendar. Let's, uh, Let's get something. What are your races that you want to put in for the year? And let's prioritize uh, how important they are to you. Is it an A? Is it a B? Is it a C race? So let's create urgency there in terms of uh, putting something down. And then, again, what is your priority? And then how are we going to get to those goals that you have for each event? and break it down as chris said let's get into the smaller steps how are we going to get there do we have to work on your nutrition your sleep perhaps we need to work on your pacing your mindset whatever the case may be let's break that down and see how we can get and help you achieve what it is that you want to for any particular event and then i think the second part was um, sort of how do you stay consistent or motivated with that sense of urgency? Well, you've got to get your athlete to buy into the process. So let's have dialogue for myself. I'm chatting with my athletes every day. So let's get some buy-in on how things are going and make them buy into the process and ask for their feedback. How's it going? How did you think this ride went? How is this event go for you? what what well what do we need to improve or look at uh, changing for next time absolutely sean what do you think mm, sense of urgency i really like it uh it's a great uh, way to think about things it's a great way to think about life and uh we kind of talk about it here on a fairly regular basis uh in respect to velocity i there's three steps as far as i'm concerned figure out your why now let's figure out the how then let's figure out what velocity we're going to start applying against it. 
And so I like what Chris uh, started us off with in respect to the brushing your teeth. I mean, we're all taught to brush our teeth at a very young age, but you know when we're being taught to brush our teeth, you know what we don't get explained? Why we're brushing our teeth. No one gets explained things like when you're five years old. Uh, it's called oral hygiene. And if you really focus right now and apply discipline and structure every single day, what you're going to do is save yourselves a whole boat, uh, a whole pile of problems when you're older, when all your teeth are falling out, or when you've got to pay for surgery, or when you've got a dot, dot, dot. And so that doesn't get explained to you. You just listen, think, okay, I got to brush my teeth. And then it becomes a rote habit. It just becomes a part of your life, just like yawning and rubbing your eyes and walk into the sink. Next thing is teeth. And so um, if you never knew why you were doing it, why is it that you do it? If you have things that you feel will change your life, but no one's explaining it to you how they're going to change, how it's going to change your life, why would you do it? And so as a kid, you'll be told you're just going to do it. But as an adult, when someone says you're just going to do it, you now have the option of saying, no, I'm not. I don't have to listen to you. I'll do me. But that's what coaching is about. Coaching is about explaining to you why you have to brush your teeth. Now, let's break that out a little bit more. You don't have to brush your teeth. You can walk around for the rest of your life with stink breath and lose friends. And that's kind of what life is in respect to coaching. If you don't apply a certain sense of urgency in your life to become a better human being, I'm not saying that you're going to lose friends, but you're certainly not going to make friends because they think you're on the right path of not doing anything in your life. For me, people get connected with me because they see a certain velocity in my life or a certain way of living that they want to emulate to some degree, either a lot or a little. Whatever the case is, my life is inspiring someone to do something different in their life that's bringing a positive to their life. And so just like brushing teeth, uh, as I, ex as, as any parent would explain to the kids, there's benefits to brushing your teeth, just like there's benefits to applying urgency in your life. Now to the second part, why or how would you apply that, se that sense of uh, urgency? Well, no one wants stink breath. We've already applied that. Uh, then how to get to work. It requires uh, discipline, plain and simple. Motivation will always flag up and down, ebb and flow, in and out. Sometimes you can count on it, sometimes you can't. So as far as I'm concerned, that's not part of the equation. Motivation is not something that I choose to rely on if it's fickle. But discipline is always there. And discipline, just like brushing your teeth every morning, is a pattern that you target lock on and you execute on irrespective of what's going on in your life. You freaking brush your teeth, you freaking do your push-ups. You freaking brush your teeth. You freaking do what your coach says. And why have you engaged a coach? Because the coach is going to lead you to better success, a better way of life, easier way to do things, efficient, effective, blah, blah, blah. All of the, all of the stuff that you want in your life that you've engaged a coach for is going to lead you through that process. All you have to do is brush your teeth through the process. You just have to listen and do, listen and do, listen and do until it becomes a habit. Then it becomes a disciplined habit. And then eventually you can start focusing on other things, all of the other 
teeth brushing moments in your life that you need to lock down, make a habit, be disciplined with it, and then offload them as, as something that you simply think of, well, that's what I do every day. Then you go seek, seek the new teeth brushing moment in the day. That's a great point. And Julia, you had mentioned something I really want to touch on was falling off the wagon. Because I think this is a one of the major sticking points for a lot of people is when you start something and you start getting really good at it, or you start, let me rephrase, not really getting really good at it, you start engaging it more and more and more. And then let's talk about a diet, let's say. You start working on your nutrition, you start work getting you know disciplined with it, and then there's a holiday or there's a family celebration or whatever, and you are unable to maintain the diet through that one instance. And then people are like, wow, and you, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to touch on that because I think it's a, it's a really solid, uh, point to kind of hammer down a little bit. So Julie, you want to talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Yeah. I, I, I hear this all the time. And when people fall off the wagon as, we do like I do too. <laughs> we're, we're human. It happens. Um, I have over the years, I've learned to, um, to tell myself, Oh, okay. It's just going to be for me. I've got it down to kind of a three day rule. So when I fall off whatever pattern I'm in, whether it's with my nutrition, um, with my workouts, if I've been traveling for a while, whatever it might be that took me away from it, the first day back, it sucks. And I know it, <laughs> it's going to suck. And it's going to be like that for anyone else too. Um, even if it was only a week away from your routine, you might still notice that. But if it's longer than that, you're like, the longer you take, the more you're going to really notice that no matter what, give yourself for me, I say three days, but for any, it could be longer for anyone else. I have no idea. It's just, it's the idea of the pattern. So I just create the pattern and it's like, okay, it's allowed to suck. It's supposed to suck <laughs> at first, but just do it again and then repeat that and then do it again. And then I evaluate on day three, how much better I feel compared to day one. And then I remind myself, it's actually just going to improve from there. And then I keep going. So. I like it. Chris, you got uh, for the panel, what's yeah. the uh, longest you've ever gone without brushing your teeth? <laughs> um, what's the longest? I'd say it's between me and Chris. Just based on our careers. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying. And, and that's the point. I mean, like, how long can you go without brushing your teeth? How long can you go without being disciplined? How long can you go without not working on yourself towards improvement? How long do you want to have stink breath? And so um, it's important. I mean, it's funny, but it's important because we'll focus on brushing our teeth, but we won't focus on maybe doing anything more for ourselves to make ourselves better that day, either for ourselves or more importantly, if you can't find the discipline or the motivation to do it for yourself, worry about everyone around you who's got to deal with your stink breath slash your lack of discipline, your, your lack of supporting yourself so that you can be better in the team. If, if I sucked as a dad and if I sucked as a person, and my family was awesome, and I was in that mix, I would feel it, man. I would feel like I've got stink breath. I would feel like I need to brush my teeth. 
And uh, what I would do is immediately go and brush my teeth. But people don't immediately look at that problem and think, I got to do something more about this than just brush my teeth. Brushing your teeth is easy. Improving yourself in other ways is hard if you've never done it before. But at one point, you didn't know how to brush your teeth. Now you do. And that's the way of the world. You, you got to identify whether you got stink breath or not in any aspect of your life. And you got to get to work with a new toothbrush as far as I'm concerned. That's the way I put it. Chris, you got any thoughts? Uh, yeah, about a week during tier school. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but back to the, to the point, like falling off the wagon, uh, I, I recommend when I work with folks, uh, we set these long, long-term goals, five-year goals. They're super huge, but as we break them down, once, once you're down to the daily level, the, the chunks are pretty bite-sized. But what I, what I often tell folks is like, as you're looking at your weekly schedule, shoot for like an 85% execution rate or better. Uh, and what that does is it gets you out of that pass fail mentality where like, Oh, I missed a day. I'm just going to quit. You know, it gets them out of that mindset, but rather looking at like, all right, the week wasn't perfect, but it was overall progressive. It I have moved the needle forward a little bit and, and they've found a lot of success with that. And then as they get more dialed into their daily habits and they're hitting consistently hundred percent, I tell them to push the envelope a little bit. All right. Where, where can you stretch yourself? Um, and what that does is like, regardless of where you are on the spectrum of chasing excellence, uh, your 85% will look different than somebody else's 85%, but you're always, you're always, you're always at your own threshold of, of, of moving the needle forward. Um, and, and you don't have to be in this pass fail mentality. I like that a lot. Julie, you got any uh, points to add? Yeah, I brushed my teeth this morning. So, uh, and to be honest, I think the longest I've gone is probably a 24 hour race. So sorry, Sean, cause you probably had to smell my stinky breath. <laughs> that's true. But that's probably my record. Um, in terms of, um, yeah, falling off the wagon, I think, um, Again, it does happen there. Nobody's perfect. We're not looking for perfection, but we are looking for discipline on a regular basis. If you want to do your best and achieve your goals, you do have to be disciplined. Um, and when you do fall off the wagon and you're not executing on your um, task, whether it's athletic or what have you, it's a bit of a slippery slope. So you have to watch if you let one thing go, you know, I've seen it in athletes or uh, friends, family members, you know, all of a sudden, um, maybe they're not, they weren't drinking and now they're drinking and now they're not eating well and now they're not sleeping well. And so it's a slippery slope. So you have to watch. Um, it can easily get out of control. So I think, um, there's a balance there. And I like what Chris said um, in terms of let's look at the week as overall, did you achieve sort of the overall theme of the week? So uh, for myself, for cycling, you know, what was the focus? Was it vertical gain? Was it hourly target? You know, did you have to execute on some intervals? And did you overall achieve sort of the theme? But again, it's it's got to be pretty tight. If you're slacking off every week, you know, five to ten percent, then that's all going to start to add up. And especially if you're getting ready for something important, then you're going to have to 
execute and do your best to hit all the targets if you want to get to uh, the level that you are looking to to achieve uh, your best performance. Absolutely. John, you got any points to add? Yeah, the um, going back, the, the Canadian Dental Association is going to have to tune into this one. Um, going back to the teeth brushing thing, like we've all, well, ex except for maybe Julie, or maybe even Julia, we've all gone a couple, at least a couple of days without brushing our teeth. And um, so what do you do when you can't brush your teeth? Usually you get some sort of an intervention, like, I'm just going to chew on some gum for now. That'll get me, that'll get me through the day, as it were. And so as part of coaching, it's as coaches, it's our responsibility to understand that the person didn't brush their, their teeth that day. And maybe they can't for whatever reason that is way out of their control. And so now it's my job as a coach to introduce them to this thing called let's chew some gum today. And, uh, and, and that can come through a, a number of different ways. If they can't do anything physical that day, I know guaranteed that stick of gum is going to be called psychological or emotional. That's what you're chewing on today. That's how you're going to freshen up your breath today if you're working with me. Maybe you can't do the physical brushing, but you're going to chew on something called learning more about yourself today to get better. So um, with that aside... Uh, I'd just like to, again, overarching theme, say that uh, as coaches, it's our responsibility to help athletes understand how to get better at discipline. It's our job to help them understand how to move towards a direction that they've self-identified. It's also our job to help the athlete understand that it is an imperfect path forward. Imperfect. There is no perfect way to do this. It is a wends and weaves and ups and downs and sometimes backwards to go forwards sort of trajectory for every single athlete that I've ever worked with or anybody that I've coached. It is a, there's, there's commonality in everyone I've worked with, but every single person is a unique solution and their path looks a little bit different than the person to their left and right. So when things, uh, when either discipline fails or something gets in the way of the athlete performing over a period of a day or a few days, again, it's my job to fill in that gap with some chewing gum. I like that. Going to stuff people gum in people's faces. It's going to be good times. And I think uh, to answer your question, I think it's been about a week was the longest time I went without brushing my teeth while I was doing a patrol in Afghanistan. That was, I think that was the only time. Um, any other thoughts on the initial question or anything else? Or are we good to step on to the next one? Pretty good? Cool. I just want to remind everybody watching as well, make sure you guys get your comments and questions in the comment section here so we can engage them right away. Okay, here is the next question coming from Ali. Hey guys, Sean and Chance uh, from The Collective. I accept your challenge of creating a little video for the coaches next week um, with a question. And also I just wanted to say what a brilliant idea to have all the coaches on. I think it's gonna be a really insightful week and we can all learn a lot. So looking forward to that for sure. My question is to the coaches and um, about their clients is how do you guys celebrate your little wins and your big victories um, to goals that you've been working towards or goals that your clients have been working towards? Um, do you celebrate in a big way? Does it depend on what the goal was? 
even the little daily um, little wins, do you take pause and just in your mind recognize that you, you know, that was a little win and give yourself a little check, a little pat on the back? Um, or do you struggle with taking pause and acknowledging those little wins? And do your clients struggle with this? And how do you talk them through that or help them through that? And um, yeah, so I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about that. Have an awesome day. Bye. Question, Julie. I'm going to come to you first. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And for myself, it depends, I guess, on the um, the path and the magnitude of the win. Let's call it per se. So, I'm chatting with my athletes every day. So, if it if it's something uh, minor, generally you know, we may celebrate it that day if it it could be at the end of the week, if they've, you know, really executed to uh, what we were chatting about before. And, you know, it's not going to be perfect, but maybe they just absolutely nailed that week in terms of what the expectations were, then we would celebrate then as well. So I think I try to give my athletes feedback every day. And certainly if, um, you know, we're going to celebrate that in a small way. It could be potentially bigger if they've really worked towards a big goal, whether it's a race and, you know, it might not matter potentially what the position position was that they finished in the race, whether they were on the podium or not. But if they did the best they did on the day and they achieved the outcome that they were looking for, then that would be a big win and we would perhaps have a, a bigger celebration then generally for myself and my athletes we may be there and we may be away so um you know the last time we sort of had some celebrations uh, we were in italy with sean and our other friend and athlete andrew and celebration that looked like a lot of gelato so that's how we celebrated the wins there and we uh mega gelato for sean and andrew and i mean i partaked as well but i think they got ahead so you know it's those uh when you've been working hard towards a massive event uh, of that kind that was a world soul 24-hour championship the magnitude of those celebrations are going to be you know quite a bit bigger there and just kick back and have some fun you know maybe you're going to be having a few beverages or eating things that you normally wouldn't eat. So it depends, I guess, on um, where you're at with uh, with the event or whether it's a just daily good job, attaboy kind of thing uh, for nailing a workout. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of my clients are kind of scattered all over the time zones. So I don't get to work with folks one-on-one, -on -one, like face-to-face, -face, really hardly ever. And so, however, uh, going through their process and as they pursue the things that they want to pursue, I do get pretty invested in their lives. And so when they tell me things like, hey, I just signed up for my first jujitsu tournament this weekend, I get stoked. Uh, and I'm like, cheering them on on the side of the camera <laughs> and uh or they tell me that you know hey i i've, I've journaled regularly this week or um 
the or my plan to implement the five love languages to my family, uh, I, I hit 100% this week. I, I get super stoked because because I know those those little goals that that they're accumulating, um, they're adding up and they're they're in alignment with with the direction that they actually want to head, and it, it's in alignment with the kind of person that they want to be. And so I'm I'm like, yeah, I was in the army and and whatever, but I, I'm actually a big cheerleader. So I, I, I get super pumped and, and just like rooting for them. I, I think we all need people in our corner rooting for us and cheering us on. Um, even, even for the small stuff. Uh, cause that again, I I'm with Sean, I don't really rely on motivation or willpower. I think it's fickle, but the, but knowing that you've got the right people in your corner that, that genuinely celebrate successes with you and aren't, aren't jealous of you and aren't actually trying to tear you down when you, when you hit those successes, I think it's super important. So I try to be, I try to be that for the folks I work with for sure. Outstanding. We'll have to get you some pom-poms. Julia, what do you think? I think this is so interesting because we're all like the three type of coaches you have on today. We're all so different in like who we coach, right? So our celebrations with our clients, are going to be very different. So um, with my clients, they're usually coming to me because they are on usually a fat loss journey or body recomp. Um, so they have certain goals. So they they check in with me every week. And so I we celebrate every week. So on their check-in day, um, I'm communicating with them and then throughout the week. So we're celebrating each week and then they we have goals that they might be working towards as well and they're all different so i have some of them will have races um some of them will have um you know like spartans or tough matter things like that some of them want to do photo shoots some of them have expressed interest in doing shows but we haven't gone there yet and that's okay because i'm kind of on my way out of that <laughs> that industry anyway so i prefer uh leading them towards um a, like a shoot or that sort of thing to celebrate their wins um at the end of this journey but yeah we celebrate every single week and i do teach them because of the type of clients i have we don't really celebrate with gelato <laughs> because that is excellent for an endurance athlete but it's not within their goals um doesn't mean like I never, ever tell them that anything's off limits. Absolutely not. So um, don't be kicking themselves if they have anything like that. Like, absolutely not. You know, we work it in. It's part of your lifestyle um, so that they can do that. But but for the most part, I want them to learn to celebrate in other ways, because if they've been learning to celebrate for so long with like a buffet dinner and that's what got them to the situation, then I want to learn. I want to teach them other ways that they can celebrate like going to the spa or getting a nice outfit or um, I don't know, just getting your nails done, going for a walk, just going for a peaceful walk. It doesn't have to be something that costs money uh, or anything like that, but just giving yourself a little slice of time. So, uh, and then we celebrate not just the, the physical wins, but just anything, taking time for themselves. I had a client the other day that finally uh, quit being the president of her homeowner association. And she is so excited. <laughs> Because she, her health, like she needed time. She was just too stressed out. She was doing too many things. So she sent me a screenshot of her resignation and we celebrated that. <laughs> so, so lots of different ways to celebrate. But yeah, just um, communicating with them all the time as well. Yeah, absolutely. Sean, what do you think? 
Mm, I'm going to come at this from a completely opposite direction. Does it involve uh, but but uh, <laughs> I'm I'm known as a hard ass coach, maybe. So um, I'll say this that um, and and I'll be careful because I don't want to generalize it so much that there isn't nuance to what I'm saying. So um, everyone that I've worked with in the past, it's my job as a coach to get to know them, their style, how they how how am I going to improve them the most effective and efficient way over a timeline. And so I need to know them, they need to know me. And in those early days, we're both figuring each other out. And if I, if it's someone that I feel needs a lot of cheerleading, well, they'll get a little bit extra, but they ain't going to get a whole lot because that ain't my way. And here's why, because I have everyone earn their way. I ain't, a, I, I ain't patting people on the back for breathing. You can do that without a coach. And so if you come and see me, you're going to freaking earn your way. And that is my way. And so not you have to do everything that I say, but my way is to make you earn your way. And earning your way requires a certain sense of not wanting to please me, but wanting to earn it so that you please yourself. And by earn it, I mean earn it hard. Not like every day. There is no freaking way we're celebrating every day. Forget about that. Go find another coach. That ain't me. I will celebrate on a infrequent basis. I will randomize it. It will not be every time someone cracks it out of the park. There might be seven cracks out of the park and we'll celebrate the eighth or the twelfth or the third. Because the moment that someone starts anticipating the cheerleading moment and it doesn't happen, now they're disappointed. So I randomize. Now to big events, it's uh, like Julie said, when someone has worked like a dog for a year to get to a large event or a small event, whatever that means to anyone out there, now they're in the mix. Now they're executing against their future uh, outcome that they've been working towards for that long. I don't care how well they do. Third, 33rd, the first, the last, doesn't matter to me. I know that when they show up, they're going to kick ass as best as they can. And then I'm going to acknowledge that. And we'll find a way to acknowledge that. If I'm there with them, as, as we were in Italy at Worlds, we're going to celebrate. It doesn't mean we're going to burn the, the city down. We're just maybe going to eat extra gelato or whatever. But the most important part of whatever we're going to do is that we're hanging out and we're looking each other in the eye and we're doing the nod, the coaching nod where it isn't all about fireworks and it isn't all about getting the keys to the city. It's me acknowledging them and them acknowledging me and us acknowledging the moment of what just happened based on a boatload of work and how far they've come. And it might only be a few words. It might be a few quiet paragraphs. Nobody else might may ever hear it other than that person in front of me, or it might be in a team setting where I'll give a nod and call out someone for mega kicking ass. For me, the power of encouragement is not watering it down. So when I say something like, nice work, it's like a clap of thunder because it, it, it doesn't happen too often. And so that's not for everyone, but for the people that it is for, it holds a lot of weight as a coach when you give a nod. And they feel like their world just changed a little bit for the better, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, I got a quick comment here from Winterstorm. He says, you heard it here. Julius said I'd get my nails done. So <laughs> Winterstorm's going to get on that. Um, now, I had a question about this. Outside of the realm of like coaching or being coached, there are a lot of people out there that are you know changing their lives around and doing this on their own and just putting their nose to the grindstone and getting the work done. What would be your advice for them for their own personal celebrations on their own personal goals when they hit the mark and say, yeah, that's the one I, I hit my goal. Now I can move on to the next one or I can do whatever. But in that moment, when that, that person who has put all the work in on themselves, what would be your suggestion for them to celebrate? How, how would they do that? Sean, I'm going to start with you. Uh, I don't treat life like a constant Christmas day. I don't, I don't treat life like every day is a party day or a birthday. I just don't. To me, the trajectory of life is the path, the path that doesn't require uh, a, a gift basket around every corner. I just don't view life that way. Maybe it's my upbringing, maybe it's the military, maybe it's whatever. It doesn't matter. I just don't need that little celebratory moment. I'm not a... I don't pat my own back very much at all. And if someone pats my back, I'd rather just take a step forward and not get patted on the back. Because stepping forward out of that pat backing moment means I'm already a, at least a foot further on life rather than, oh, I'm going to say it. I feel like I don't want to wallow in the moment of success because I ain't interested in the wallowing in the moment of success. Success is a fleeting moment for me where I want to just keep pursuing through. And that might seem like that's too relentless. The relentless pursuit of excellence as I was taught on the teams. It might seem too relentless, but for me it's worked where I don't think of uh, relentless as a, every time I, I got to get a pat on the back, I got to slow the throttle down and wallow in the success. That doesn't work for me. I think of it almost like quicksand. For me, I'd just rather speed through it and keep on hard charging and and getting a nod every once in a while is enough for me. Even if it's as I'm speeding past the moment, if I catch it out of my peripheral, someone giving me a nod, that's all I need. I just don't need the fireworks of the moment. Like like grabbing a cup of water as you speed past the pit, right? <laughs> Got it. See you later. <laughs> That's enough. The, the success of an extra lap is 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 a fleeting moment, as Julie knows. Uh, but uh, here's the beautiful part, Chance. Thanks for bringing up that uh, analogy. Uh, Julie has uh, seen it. I've seen it many times. Um, when an athlete is coming around through the pit area at a world championship, the moment as they go through that pit area between me and them, uh, the coach and the athlete, may only last two or three seconds. But in that two or three seconds, because they're not constantly bombarded with all the pat on the back, that two or three seconds is so powerful. It is a, it's not an earth shattering moment at all, but it's a really powerful moment where you're communicating in a brief moment where it has a lot of weight to it, where there is a lot of reading and buy-in where the moment is way more important because it is an infrequent moment to really connect in the moment. And if the athlete was standing in front of me the entire lap instead of turning laps, it, it loses its power, as it were. 
So that, that bottle handoff that takes two to three seconds, there's a half a day's worth of stuff that's going on in those two to three seconds because the, the athlete and me are highly tuned in to that precise moment. Okay. Julie, any uh, thoughts to add? Yeah, um, building off on what Sean said there as well, that is a key uh, time frame, and but it goes both ways. So you have to be paying attention to what the coach is saying. And I have been remiss in this as well. Sean may say something, but you're not really paying attention or getting the message. What he's saying is you're not really processing the information. So you, both people have to be dialed in and you have to figure out why they are saying what they're saying, you know, and also the tone and it's got some meaning. So whether it has to do with pacing, nutrition, it, there's a reason why he's saying it and how he's saying it, the timing is crucial. So you've got to be aware and in tune with what the person is saying. And then you have to also be open to the feedback to change. Perhaps it is change or maybe it's just staying on course. So I think that is a key moment for sure. Um, but back to the original question with the celebrations, I mean, I do agree with Sean. I'm not maybe as hard as he is with uh, the successes, but there is sort of a limit. You can't be celebrating every single thing. I mean, then to the point of the discipline um, sort of goes away. So if you're celebrating every single win, then now maybe you're having the gelato every day and you're having that beverage or, you know, eating something that maybe is, is not beneficial overall. So you have to watch. And I would say celebrate, you know, the big things, but again, in moderation, you don't, you're not going to say you did uh, five or six races, or, you know, if you're doing short track races for cycling, you know, you can't be celebrating 10, 20 races. The next thing you know, you're, you know, eating gelato every day. So you've just got to manage it. And maybe it's just a little celebration to yourself. Like, good job. Like maybe you just say to yourself, good job. It doesn't have to be a big celebration. Maybe you make some notes in your journal about the successes and you can look back and reflect on those in the future of um, what went well and why and, and take it as a learning experience. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris, any thoughts? Tons of thoughts. <laughs> um, so I, I love what Sean said. Uh, my, my buddy and I climbed Kilimanjaro a few years ago and it was, it was a dope experience. I remember, uh, before like the night before we summited though, um, we were at base camp, like sipping coffee, getting ready to bed down before we, we started the actual final ascent. And all of a sudden there was this like big commotion across camp. This guy was just two fists in the air, just screaming, just like, I did it. I did it. I climbed Kilimanjaro. <laughs> and and Travis and I were like again sipping our coffee. We looked at each other because he and I were already thinking of like what what's the next mountain we're going to climb, and we haven't even finished this one. Uh, and I think there's a couple lessons there. One is don't ever stop. I, I think it's important to celebrate, but don't ever stop. You're not done. Um, but also take a moment to look around and, and enjoy the present moment um, of where you are. Um, all right. So the other lesson is. 
when I got to the teams, like after I earned my green beret and, and got to a team, you start looking around and, and some guys are just riding that accolade for the rest of their life. That's like, that's where they have peaked and that's what they want to ride, ride out for the, until they die. I was a green beret. Um, uh, but Travis and I, we were, we were the one of the guys it's like, this is, this is really just a chapter in our book. Uh, I don't want this to be the main event. I, w- I want to always continue to pursue something, w- whatever that may be. Now, back to the original question. Uh, how do I, or what are my thoughts on individual celebratory moments and stuff like that? I've kind of maybe intentionally, unintentionally incorporated that into my program. So I typically give people or show people how to set up a spreadsheet to, to organize their weekly schedule. And so every day they have an opportunity to check things off that they have done. And it gives them just a little bit of a dopamine hit when they, they're like, yep, I did this and I did this and did this. And then at the end of the week, they get to tally up their percentages and they're like, all right, hundred percent, 90%, 85%. Those are all green. This one was 70%. That's a red. So I've, I've kind of incorporated like micro celebrations where, where they can check things off and then do a self-evaluation at the end of the week where they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm on track here and uh, I'm, I'm moving the needle forward. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to keep building that momentum. Like I was talking to a, a guy I work with just the other day and he had hit all of his stuff. He was at a pretty high percentage by Friday. And so he told me, he's like, I could take all of Saturday off uh, and I'd still hit my percentages, but I don't want to. I've, I've built this momentum that I want to keep pushing. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Keep doing that. And now that you're consistently hitting those high percentages, let's push the envelope a little bit. Where can you stretch yourself a little bit more? So I hope that answered your question. <laughs> Absolutely. Julia, you want to round us off here? I'd love to. And I, I just, there was, I was hanging on everybody else's comments because I agreed with everyone in so many different ways. Like, um, but first with what Sean mentioned about just that nod, just that moment that like that, you know, millisecond when you just have that recognition between a coach and an athlete, um, that in itself is a huge celebration. And those memories for myself, like when I think about my special moments where somebody was coaching me, those are the moments that I really remember that meant a lot to me, not a big celebration dinner out after it was that moment. So that really is the celebration. And then, um, yeah, picking what's next. Like just, we move on really quick. And, and I was relating to Chris cause I also climbed Kilimanjaro as well. And the same thing I thought in that moment, okay, what am I, what's next? I was hooked. That, that was actually my very first hike. And after that, I was like, okay, where are we going next? Three months later, I was at uh, Everest Base Camp. Like I was just straight in it. And so that's what I do with my clients as well. It's like, okay, cool. You got there. Amazing recognition for it. Absolutely. Um, But where do you want to go next? Because now they're on that high. They know what they're capable of. And I love that moment. I love that, you know, that excitement, that flicker in their their eye when they realize I did this. I all by myself. I'm fully capable of this. So don't live and stay stuck in this moment. What's next? Let's move on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any, mm. uh, yeah, uh, got just a, yeah. a continuation on from what Julia and uh, Chris just said, and this is based on something that I saw Chris push up on his Instagram mm, a couple, three days ago. I forget when it was, but I liked it. I gave you a like, buddy. You've been liked. You've had a nod. 
Uh, and it was your comment, or it was the clip about how uh, when you were in special operations or Green Beret, how you'd worked your way into that uh, role. And then at some point you realized that there's two kinds of guys. There's the guys who stay in uh, the game because they love the game and they want to stay in the game. And then there's the guys who get out of the game, even though they love the game, they want a new game. As you just said, they're looking for the next chapter in their life or the next chapter in the book. And that was me, uh, just like yourself. And so the reason I clicked it is because I was clicking like, yeah, Sean, you just wrote a great post, even though it was written by Chris. Uh, and so um, I liked that you put that out there because not too many guys will put that out there because they identify themselves as a, uh, a large character in life through that title, through that role, through that uh, career. And they find it hard to step away from it because it feels at the time like it's the epitome or the peak of existence of a peak person, but it isn't even though it feels like it at the time. When you're in tier one, it feels like there's nothing better, but there is, but you got to step out of it to see it. And so that's what a good coach will do for a person. Uh, a good coach will show you what you're not seeing yourself. Now, uh, maybe Chris found his way uh, through life by himself, just like I did. No coach taught me these things. I had to learn them the hard way. But a, a good coach who's learned it the hard way will be able to pass it on to their athlete or the person that they're working with in a way that is easier, has less sting, but at the same time, add just enough sting to the person that they're working with that they understand the process. They understand uh, not the hardest of hard lessons, but just a little hard lesson each day. Uh, so I love what uh, you said, uh, Chris and uh, Julia. I, I think it's great that uh, you can uh, take an opportunity like uh, Kilimanjaro and then sink your teeth into that style of life and then pursue it further until the point where you become like the best mountain climber in the world. And then you get attracted to the title of best mountain climber in the world. And then you got to decide, do you veer away from that title to start a new white belt lifestyle or do you stay in that lifestyle? And uh, again, that's what a coach is supposed to do is they're supposed to cold eye reviewers. They're supposed to see life uh, through a non-emotional lens and look at it from a, a variety of different vectors to see what might be best for us in the near future that we can't see ourselves. So uh, for all of the coaches out there, and, and I know this coaching panel uh, does this, uh, it's, it's the coach's job to uh, understand what you want, but also to understand what you don't know that you want yet. That's a very good point. Any, any other thoughts from the panel? I got uh, one more question. We got about 10 minutes left today. So any other thoughts? Very good. Okay, cool. Let's jump into the next one. It actually goes very much in line with what you're talking about, Sean. So that's what I want to touch on. Here we go. Big bird. Sean, coach guests on the collective. I'm Jay Subcoach from Talking to Horses, and here's my question for you. How do you mitigate dopamine crash at the end of an achievement? And how do you utilize the dopamine curve to have your clients reach their achievements 
how do you get people to recognize that it's not the achievement itself, but attaining the achievement or moving to the achievement that dopamine works on? We all kind of have this system backwards where we think dopamine is the reward chemical, but it's not, it's the seeking chemical. So many people are unaware of this and in sporting, in sports especially, I think too many people forget that crossing the finish line is where your dopamine crashes. Getting your gold medal standing on the podium is where your dopamine crashes. It's riding the high to the achievement, not the achievement itself that is the reward. How do you train people to love the suck? How do you get people to understand and utilize dopamine to get to the reward, to get to the podium, to achieve their goal? Thank you. Another fantastic question. Julia, I'm going to start with you. What do you think? I saw when Jason posted this and I was like, oh no. <laughs> Am I going to get that one? <laughs> I don't find that. <laughs> um, I think it's just staying in the process because as Jason mentions, it's it's getting like you have that well in process it crashes after so just like we were talking about from before what's next because you will crash after and um, expanding your horizons and seeing what else you're capable of so i am somebody that's interested in being a white belt and starting over and learning something new so um anytime that i've stayed with something for too long and i have with certain things you know even past career um i reached a point where i it wasn't enjoyable anymore and you know you're just kicking tires and you, you you need something new because you're not giving your best at that point and that could be with anything with with any sport that you stay too long in if you're not still passionate about it and whatever you know fitness endeavor you're you're chasing um or you know anything else in life your career so or the military like you guys have had you got to know when you got to move on right so with yeah, staying in that process, you still have that feeling that that high that excitement, it gets better as you go along. So just knowing that that's coming. Um, but being ready for that crash after and having another plan. And in my experience, from competing, I made my other plan something different. So after a show, I didn't concentrate on shows, but I concentrated on, on some other fitness goal. So I'd have a setup so that when I got off stage, I had CrossFit or a race or something else coming so that I would just automatically go into what was next. And I set that up for myself from learning from my mistakes earlier on and then feeling that kind of crash and kind of crummy feeling in the early years. Absolutely. Julie, how about yourself? Yeah, I agree. I think the key is focusing on what is next. So you're going to have that high, whether it's, um, you know, whether it was a great event or not, either way, there's going to be a crash. So you have to then immediately acknowledge either the, whether it was a failure or a success, you need to acknowledge what that is, what you can learn from it. And then what's next? What are you going to move towards? But in terms of he was addressing how do you get the individuals to sort of like the journey and embrace the suck, so to speak. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got to, if you want to do the work 
at some point you've got to get out there and you have to put in the hard times. And I think trying to know that if you get out there and put in the work, embrace the suck, do the hard miles, do the hard training days and the smoke or the heat or the rain, whatever the case may be. And just knowing that if you do all those steps that on race day, you're ready and you're good to go. And whatever happens, you faced it. And maybe you're, you're going to face what's actually going to happen in the event. Maybe it's worse, maybe it's better, but at least you know that you're good to go on race day. And because what you've done in your training is just as bad, if not worse. So you're, you're embracing that suck in the process so that on the day of your event, you know that you're good to go. And so you can just embrace that knowing that you'll be ready when the time comes. Absolutely. Chris, any thoughts to add on top of that? Uh, a couple. Sometimes people come to me and they're maybe, maybe young guys and, and they're like, their question is how do I get into special operations? And I, I can pretty quickly differentiate between the people that love the idea of the job and love the job because they actually want to do the job. Um, the folks that the folks that just love the idea of the job, I typically tell them to go do more research. Um, if, you, if you can't tell me the difference between a Ranger and a Green Beret, then we, we should talk later. <laughs> well, now, the guys that, that are like passionate, they're like, no, I know what the mission is. I know I want to be the guy there. I want to be the guy that's amidst the team because I want to be the conscience behind the gun or be the one that, that has to make that decision to, to kill or die for my team. But like those are the guys I get stoked about because they kind of what was mentioned earlier, they, they want to embrace the suck. They, they know the journey is the process. It is the destination. Like whether in competition or, or army life, it's, it's like 99% training and then like 1% competition or 1% real life. Um, and so if, if all you want is the glory, all you want is the, the, the end state. Um, I, I'm not sure that you're quite ready for whatever it is that you're trying to chase after. Uh, it's the, from my own life, I enlisted a little bit later in life. I was 28 when I got in. Um, but the reason I, I wanted to join was because I wanted to pursue something where success was not guaranteed. Um, I think it, particularly in our society where participation trophies are rel relatively prevalent, uh, I didn't want to be a part of that. I wanted to chase after something where I could give it my all and still not measure up. Um, and incidentally, that's why I got out too. Uh, uh, talk about white belt. I have no idea what I'm doing business wise, <laughs> um, but, but it's the process of learning this brand new skill set um, and, and becoming a, a private again is, is fun because I like the journey. I, I, I want to pursue something where it, it expects the journey expects a great deal of me. Uh, and even if I give it my all, I still might not come out on top. Um, so back to the question, uh, how do you, how do you manage that dopamine? I think, I'm not sure if people are born with it or if it's a learned skill, but yeah, seeking out the people that, that love the journey, because that's the best part. Um, those are the ones that, that know how to capitalize on that dopamine. 
on a more like pragmatic level, ensure that you're not um, intentionally malfunctioning your dopamine receptors by playing the slot machines with TikTok. You know, that's just like, it's, it's an addictive habit that is designed to, to fire those dopamine um, receptors. And if you're constantly malfunctioning those receptors with that <laughs> addictive behavior, it, it adjusts and I would say alters the way you, you perceive the journey because it's not instant and you're so used to instant um, that you need to, you need to either break that habit or, or kind of not start it to begin with. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Sean, what are your, uh, anything to add on top? Yeah, I'll keep it brief because I know we're running out of time, but I will say this, that uh, to, to me as a coach, to some degree, the event is a distraction. It's, uh, it's something that if I could find a way as a coach to remove from the process of making a person a more human or more awesome human being, I'd remove all events, except you can't because the event is the puzzle that the athlete has to solve, not me. And so uh, it's an important aspect, but again, I sometimes find it to be a distraction because in the early part of someone's uh, coaching process with me, they might be more attracted to the idea of the event where I want them to be more attracted to the idea of the now, of the daily, of the journey, of the path that they're walking on. And if I could have everyone walk the path without the distraction of focusing on an event, they'd just be walking the path. But as it turns out, the event is sometimes what keeps people on the path. So I work with it. When the Julie, you can confirm this or not, uh, but uh, there isn't a moment ever in my coaching career where I've been with an athlete or athletes at, at a large event, we'll call it, that within a matter of hours of dominating that event or not, I'll look at the athlete and say, what's next? We've, we've celebrated wins at world championships as, as a group of athletes. And as we're eating dinner that night, I'll look at the table and say, all right, what's next for everyone? What are we doing next? That's just the way I feel about it. The event is important, I suppose, but what's more important to me is how they're going to be better in the very near future. And uh, so I'm pretty quick to turn things around, not, not wallow in the moment of backslapping, moving right through that and saying, what ass are we going to go kick next? I like it. <clears throat> There's, uh, and there's lots of asses out there to kick, right? <laughs> so there's always another ass to kick. I like that. Um, so we are just a little bit over time right now. Let's get some final thoughts on everything that we've gone over today, which has been quite a bit. And just want to say thank you guys so much because you guys hit these questions out of the park. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to go to the next thing. So, Julia, <laughs> let's go with you first, and then we'll work our way around. So final thoughts. Um. Yeah, we can't hit it out of the park too much because we're, we're not celebrating, right, Sean? Right. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. Really, really good questions today uh, from those that sent it in. I uh, really enjoyed them and and everyone and learning from all of the other coaches and the fact that we're, we're all so different in the type of people that we coach. So it's really cool to have this conversation. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> 
Okay. You want me to come back to you? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay. I'll come back to you. Julie, some final thoughts. Yeah. I'll follow up on what Sean said. And that's exactly what, uh, his MO is. We are at dinner and whether you crush it or whether you completely, you know, crapped out or whatever the case may be, he's always looking for what are we going to do next? And I think that is important. And I think part of that is also to keep the ego in check. So if, you know, you keep winning everything or you've just won, you've got to, you know, bring yourself down. And uh, I remember last year, uh, Andrew and I, uh, we both had an unfortunate race, but to, you know, to bring Andrew said, well, you know, probably good that we both, you know, had a bad race to keep the ego in check. And that was exactly it. If you keep nailing or winning, then the ego can, can get inflated. So you've got to keep the ego in check and always look forward to what is the next thing. Um, so you can either improve on where you were or learn from those mistakes or you, you always want to be moving forward. Um, I think it is important to acknowledge the wins, but you know, keep, uh, keep those in check as well. And just always look forward. What can you do better next time? What you can improve on and just mixing it up, challenging yourself, not always doing the same thing, finding something new that you can work towards. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, final thoughts. Yeah. I'm just going to roll with that theme, uh, as you're on top of the mountain, uh, take a, take a breath to look around and enjoy the view. Um, but have something else in the hopper and figure out what you're going to do next. What's the next challenging thing that's going to push you? Um, cause the journey is the destination. Okay. Julia, I'm going to come back to you. You got any thoughts? <laughs> uh, the only thing I can, that comes to mind now is just, um, yeah, just not being afraid to be a white belt and to start something new, to try something completely out of your comfort zone. Um, because, uh, yeah, so you, you're not stuck in your glory days of what you once were, right? There's like more, it. and there's more for all of us to chase out there. That is correct. Sean, final thoughts? Mm, the thing that keeps bubbling in my mind is how we started off the conversation. It was that first video, um, the individual who was speaking about getting a sense of urgency. I really like that. To me, that was a real standout moment of uh, today, in my mind anyway. Uh, I think that... Uh, we all need to dial up our sense of urgency, even the people who are urgent in their ways. You can always do a little bit more. You can always push your own pace a little bit more. Can you push yourself too hard? Maybe. I don't know. I don't think so. But uh, I, I, maybe some people can push themselves so hard that they uh, implode and create a new black hole in the uh, galaxy. But uh, that's I've never seen that happen either. So I think we can all just push our pace a little bit more, get a little bit more of a sense of urgency, if not for ourselves, then definitely for the people around you who are asking you to pick up your sense of urgency. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I really want to say thank you guys again. Great conversation, Chris, Julia and Julie. It has been outstanding chatting. I know there has been some awesome points hit on throughout this uh, conversation. So I will just shut her down with my usual as we learn how to in place some urgency in our life, we can then build discipline and grow into the person that we're meant to be. And you can do that with us 
every day here on The Collective. We'll see you all tomorrow. Chimo. Chimo.